good afternoon and good evening and thank you for joining us for another edition of the divination table i'm your host michael lennon and tonight's guest professor ames is a traditional southern root worker uh, originally from near Memphis and near, near yeah, New Orleans, specializing in life change, career, and business success, enhanced with certification in past life regression hypnosis, astrology, coactive coaching, and mediumship. Professor Ames has the tools and techniques to help you move forward in life and overcome obstacles to achieving your desires. Professor Ames is the owner of the Skullbone Emporium, based in Fort Collins, Colorado, and provides readings, consultations, candlework, graveyard and crosswords work, as well as custom hoodoo products, including mojo bags, jack balls, and doll babies. His services are available by appointment via phone or in person in Fort Collins or in Denver. Let me bring on our wonderful guest, Professor Ames. Good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here myself. I hear birds chirping in the background. Yeah, let me tell you where I am. <laughs> so we're moving to a new place. I'm out by this little pond. I'm looking at a mallard duck swimming around here. Um, all kinds of like willow trees. I'm sitting under a big ash. Oh, and nice. I just said big ash. Uh, ash, <laughs> ash, ash, ash. A tree, yeah. So, but who doesn't like a big ash, right? <laughs> hey, I like big ash and I cannot and I lie. cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so now you're yeah, a traditional. peaceful afternoon. Well, I heard the birds in the background, so I was just like, well, I think this is the first time we've taken this show outside. We are on location remote. On vacation remote. That's a nice thing to do. <laughs> I wish I was on yeah. vacation. So I understand that you are a traditional southern root worker. That I am indeed. I am. Uh, born and raised just northeast of Memphis, um, which is um, traditionally one of kind of the, the big hubs of that. A lot of the... Um, Suppliers uh, were in Memphis, uh, and let me tell you, there's a lot of hoodoo. If you start scratching back, you know some of the history. Um, and my little town had at least two uh, hoodoo workers, and its population of maybe 4,000. Um, and that back in the day, obviously not when I was younger, a little bit further back. Um, so yeah, so I, I kind of came to hoodoo a little uh, later in life. Uh, and he's like, ah, this is what everybody was talking about. This is what everybody was doing around me. So it felt like coming home. It was really great. So it, it feels natural to me. Well, you know, it's always great coming home, especially when you were brought up around all of that and didn't really notice or see, you know, yeah. everything that was taking place or understand exactly what it was. Yeah, we had... Uh, the, the great thing is as I'm looking at, oh, well, you know, here's this plant. It's like, oh, yeah, that grew up in the backyard. I know what that plant is. I know what that tree is. Um, oh, yeah, I, I saw that woman down the, down the road burning uh, boots in a rubber tire in her front yard. I was like, huh, that's odd. 
She said it was to get rid of snakes. I think it was to get rid of something, some other kind of snake, frankly. <laughs> well, you know, we do what we got to do to get rid of things that we don't need that in life. So That is so right. You know, so how did you get involved in divination? Yeah, so that goes even further back. I, um, I first became interested in astrology in particular when I was quite young, probably 11 years old. Um, my mother had uh, had me when she was young, and so I went to college with her and my dad. And one of her favorite teachers, Dr. Mooney, was a Capricorn, just like I am. And so he told her all kinds of things about Capricorns. He was very much into astrology. My grandmother was born, has a birthday two days before mine. So she was one of my favorites, and I just, you know, saw the similarities there. And then I'll remember, um, my mother was a teacher as well, so she, um, one of her other teachers, uh, I would go after school, of course, and hang out, and she had this beautiful, beautiful astrology chart, and it had all these, um, you know, it was the, I hate to say the 70s, um, <laughs> it was the end thing, and so it had descriptions of Capricorn and Aquarius and all the, the zodiac signs, and they really rang true for me. So um, I think I started early. Again, that was the 70s. Um, Linda Goodman's Sun Sign was popular, kind of came out around then. Um, and, of course, the pickup line, for adults at least, was, hey, baby, what's your sign? So <laughs> it was kind of all around, and I absorbed it pretty quickly. <laughs> so that was my first real interest um, in any kind of divination was astrology. Um, and it's always kind of remained my core. So for those listening, what exactly is astrology? Because I don't really know a whole lot. I mean, other than what my sign is and how bad they say I am. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be that bad. I'm a Scorpio. Oh, okay. I take it back. You are that bad. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love my Scorpios. Yeah. So astrology, <laughs> way, way back, probably millennia. Um and of course, as people gaze up into the sky and the stars and the planets, uh, they started to associate, well, when, you know, um, this constellation is in the sky, uh, the people born during this time seem to have these characteristics, right? Um, and of course, all the constellations had names, and they became markers for times of the year. So that's why we're, you know, Capricorns and Aquariuses and Scorpios and Virgos and all that, because that's constellation that was visible in the sky um, during that time. It became more sophisticated as we were able to observe more of our solar system, as we found more planets. Um, some are viewable from the naked eye, the Venus, Mercury, Mars sometimes. You could probably see um, back then, maybe as far as Saturn every once in a while. Um, and then, of course, we had those extra planets out there as well. And so they were added um, as you know, times changed. Right. So astrology is a whole study of the stars, uh, or more accurately, a study of the planets, typically. Um, and I guess most people know it as, hey, here's my zodiac sign, here's my sun sign. It's, it's the marker for when I was born, the month, um, or the 30-day period where I was born. But it gets to, to a lot more. Um, so you can use different types of astrology. I can look at um, you know, places where people might live, and have a better experience, if they want to have more success, if they want to have more love. Uh, that's all relocation or astrocartography. Uh, you can look at uh, relationships. 
You know, when we're in a relationship, we become different people, and the, the sum of the relationship is often very different than the individuals. Right. Um, yeah, don't you know people who've, like, gotten into relationships, like, wow, you really change when you're around this person, you know? Um, and that, I think, has a lot to do with astrology and how the two charts kind of intersect each other. Um, and again, astrology is more than just your sun sign. It's all the other planets and their locations and how they relate and the imprint that it makes on you that you carry through life. So that's my summation kind of of astrology. Um, and you can do all kinds of things with it, uh, which makes it one of the more flexible forms of divination that I know of. So, yeah, I've always been the I only know what my sign is. I, I just recently yeah. this year found out you know, the exact time I was born. Because um, uh -huh. <laughs> I never knew, you know. And I still don't know what I do with it, other than I know what my rising sign was and, you know, my ascending sign or my moon. And I still look at it, and it's just like, yeah, it's all Greek. <laughs> uh, sometimes literally Greek, right? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the founders of the whole astrology system. Yeah, so these tell you kind of things. The way I, I interpret astrology for someone's character or personality, their sun sign is kind of who they are at the core, right? So um, the ascendant or the rising sign, it's literally what sign or constellation would have been coming up over the eastern horizon when you were born. So that's why it changes during the time of day. Um, the ascendant or the rising sign kind of gives your outward personality. Okay, so you may be a Scorpio, uh, but if you had uh, Pisces rising, that would give you an outward personality being maybe more spiritual or, or more emotional and sensitive in that way. The two together then kind of have this combination of they're both water signs or a category of them. And so there's a lot of emotion, a lot of passion about things, and sometimes a lot of spirituality associated. Your moon's going to tell you kind of where your emotions are. Where, what's your need in life? Um, so sometimes when we're under pressure, we can kind of see where does that moon sign come in uh, for what we really kind of need to have happen to make us emotionally satisfied, right? Uh, and so no wonder why I have issues, because I think I have an Aquarius <laughs> in my moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Aquarius <laughs> is famous for, you know, age of Aquarius. It's about things that are progressive, uh, things that are cutting edge. It's always forward thinking. It's also about humanitarian good so a lot of Aquarian um, attachment is through their ruling sign, Uranus. Um, and you probably like electronics and computers and all that. I mean, here we are speaking <laughs> over Skype and you're, you know, broadcasting through the Internet. And it's also oh, my job, too. <laughs> oh, we'll see. There you go. There you go. There are no, no mistakes here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think my ascendant sign is a Capricorn. Oh, well, that's the best one to have. <laughs> yeah, so you probably come across to people as probably pretty serious when they first meet, meet you. Very, I bet as a child, they said, you're very mature for your age. Um, you do well with business. Um, Capricorns are supposed to be very ambitious. So um, dealing with business and business things is not very difficult for you. Um, so having that combination then of business orientation uh, with the Aquarian, uh, computers, cutting-edge technology would be a really good fit for you. And that's one of the things I hope to work on as I move forward. 
you know, I work for a very large fiber internet company. So most of my job is always computers. Yeah. Yeah. Fiber optics, fiber. I mean, all that's very progressive, cutting edge. It's new technology. Yeah. And it's what I've done most of my life. You know, it's always been in telecom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know know that well myself. Yeah. So... What other things with astrology can, you know, people look at? Because like I said, I mean, I'm coming from the standpoint of I know pretty much nothing about astrology. Um, right. and, and I admit it, you know, as much as I love all forms of divination, it's one that I haven't actually looked into yet. It is a complex system, but that complexity also is what gives us so much flexibility and richness to it. So, um, of course, it's, it's been one of the oldest forms, um, you know, from the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, all these people look to the sky to kind of understand what is their place, what is the character of a person. But some of the practical things you can do, of course, you can look at what is someone's personality. I think that's what we first, our introduction to astrology is for a lot of people. Um, hey, I'm dating this guy and he's a Leo. What does that mean? Or um, there's this woman at work that, I'm, that I have to work with. She's really difficult. She's a Virgo. What, is that, what does that mean? So we kind of want to look at understanding people and their personalities. But then the second thing we can do as far as personal um, exploration is what's called a, a secondary progression. So we move your chart. We don't stay the same person. So we move the chart through time. Uh, we move it essentially one day from the day you were born for every year that you are old. So if you were 30 years old, you'd look at where the planets were 30 days after you were born. That day for a year relationship um, seems to work really well for understanding how does our soul, how does our personality grow and develop. So at a certain point, you've probably moved from being a, a Scorpio uh, with sort of an <laughs> overlay to you know, Sagittarius and then Capricorn. <laughs> we sort of progress through these signs um, as our as our personalities and our souls develop. So I could definitely tell when I was young, super serious. I'm a double Capricorn, so that Ooh. means my sun sign and my rising sign are both um, Capricorn. So I fit the profile very well. Then, as I got you know a little older, my ascendant progressed into Aquarius. I got real quirky. We'll just say that. Very artsy, <laughs> new age stuff, all that kind of thing that's associated with Aquarius. And now it's moved on into Pisces. And I've kind of deepened to a more spiritual sense, uh, that sense of connection to spirit. And, and that type of relationship um, has changed for me over over the years, as it does for anyone. Okay. So it doesn't always stay the same. No, it progresses. You okay. can always be the same person deep down, but just like, you know, you think back 20 years or whatever, when you were a teenager or whatever, how different you were and how you've matured and grown, your interests have changed. The other beautiful thing you can do is what's called synastry uh, or synastry, uh, which is comparing two charts. So if you're looking at a relationship, um, what is your need in a relationship and how does that other person complement or work with you uh, in that relationship? So just like for every person we get into relationship, again, we, we kind of change. We're different people. We behave. We act out in different ways. And we have a different uh, type of relationship with different people. Um, and you can even do 
some um, predictive things. So uh, if someone asks a question, hey, I've lost my grandmother's necklace. Uh, can you tell me where it is? I can cast a chart for when they ask it. This is called horary astrology. And I can look at the location of basically the birth of that question and understand, okay, you need to look in the southeast corner of your house and it's inside of a container, probably near the plumbing, right? So I can get all that information to help people guide for things that are lost. For electional astrology, what's the best time, uh, most favorable astrological time to get married, to start a business, um, to move across country, those sort of things. It's incredibly flexible um, as far as a divination system. See, I never would have imagined that you could use it to also track a lost item. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I found a friend's, um, it was a custom-made ring, and um, so I, I, I assigned a planet to it, right, um, and a house, um, and then we looked at all the other planets and said, hey, it looks like it's in something fancy. Fancy because it was near or associated with the planet Venus. Uh, look for something that's very decorated. Um, and inside of something. And sure enough, she found it inside a very decorative bag uh, that she had forgot she'd put in there. So Oof. we can get little clues for all of this. See, this opens up more info than I thought was available, you know, with astrology. Because like I said, I'm coming from the standpoint of I know absolutely nothing. I know I'm a Scorpio. I know I'm a bastard. Um, <laughs> I know I'm stiff and rigid. and <laughs> uh, Passionate with deep emotions is what I would say about a Scorpio. How's that? It doesn't always fit. <laughs> yeah. Loyal, but yes. Loyalty is very important. You don't like to be crossed by people. Um you, you take things very seriously as far as emotional stuff. If someone's done you wrong, you kind of hold on to that a little bit. No, we don't do that. No, you don't do that. No, that never happens. But you remember the old, you remember the Stephen King's movie Thinner? Yes. With the little um, gypsy, the old guy, where he says, I die with it in my mouth. Yeah, Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, very Scorpio. Very Scorpio indeed. Now, you do other things aside from astrology. You also do cardomancy and bone reading, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So astrology is really great for a couple of things. Um, I have a lot of clients come to me. I, I tell you, once some, someone gets to a certain age, the whole astrology of who you are, who your character is, becomes less interesting. Um, because people know who they are, right? Um, they're, they're looking more for solving problems, which is one of the reasons I'm really drawn to root work, right? right. It's about solving people's or life's problems. Um, so the other things that I, I like to do with uh, divination, because astrology is often in time intensive. You've got to set up a chart. You have to do the interpretation, all that kind of stuff. I love Lenormand. I know you're a big Lenormand person. Yes. Uh, but it... It's, it's my favorite. And I love that you can get a, a picture, you can get details, uh, and it's so accurate. Um, so it's really easy, and I love it, using it with clients because you lay a grand tableau out, which is all the cards, right? Right. And 
inevitably, and you know this, they start off asking one question, and then it goes to a different question, and then a different question, and then suddenly you're somewhere else asking about their job, and you thought it was about a love, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I love Lenormand. It's, it's one of my favorites. And I really struggled for a long time with, with tarot. It was a hard system for me to kind of ingest for some reason. But I had the same issue. Stick. Yeah, really? I couldn't, you know... Off and on for about 15 years, I tried studying the tarot. And, you know, being a very intuitive person, I thought it was going to be somewhat easy for me to pick up, but I just could not, for the life of me, catch on. And I know there was a reason. You know, I've read cards that were always black and white. I've read cards that were antique, that were kind of similar to like the Grand Jew Lenormand. Yes. And going and trying to learn how to do tarot, now I'm looking at, you know, colors. I'm looking at pictures, landscapes. Uh I'm looking at, you know, something for me that wasn't like concrete in black and white. Which is what I love about the Lenormands, because when you ask your question, it's like, boom, right in your face. Yeah. You know, yeah. here's the answer. Mm-hmm. And don't you love that it tells a story? I, I always, when I, when I teach people Lenormand, it's read it like it's a sentence, right? So here's exactly. your subject. Here's the adjective describing this. Here's the movement forward in time. So you can string these ideas together, almost like words, and, and make a sentence. So, um, and, and it's, it's unerring in in most cases. Um, here's what this means exactly. Um, versus I think there's a lot more openness and interpretation with tarot. Yes. You know what I'm saying? With tarot, um, you have to do a lot of soul searching for what the answer is. And, you know, there are people that are wonderful and great at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a Scorpio. I've always been that just the facts person. You know, just give me the nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah, try being a, a Capricorn with a Virgo. <laughs> we really like the earthy. Is it practical? You know, give me the facts. I want to know that this is this is what it says. Um, having too many interpretations, too open to it, um, I find it's hard to do prediction, you know? And, and I find that's really what people want a lot. They, yeah, maybe it's really great to talk about, you know, what their soul path is and what the lesson to be learned here is, that sort of stuff. But a lot of people are, I want to know, am I going to get the job? Right. I want to know, um, am I going to stay broke all week? You know, I got bills to pay at the end of the week. Is that paycheck going to come through? Those sort of things are really touching people's everyday lives. And that's what I love about it. And, you know, and I do, too. You know, I recently just picked up um, Alexander Musrick's Lenormand deck. Yeah, I saw you were reviewing that. And I like bigger cards. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Sorry, it had to come back to that. You know, it all comes around. But, you know, I found certain decks to be kind of on this, you know, tiny side but these are really a, a good, you know, they're bigger than bridge or poker size, but they're not enormous. They like yeah. fit nice in the hand, which I absolutely love, you know, uh-huh. and yeah. I'm still 
getting to the point. I haven't gotten there yet. I have never actually read a Grand Tableau. I'll get there oh, at some point. Tell, yeah. mm. It's it's really wonderful. Again, I, I love it because I have it all laid out. And if the client, you know, the client's going to ask a question about, you know, love. So I'm going to look in the house of the heart. Where's the heart card? Where is, you know, the man and the woman? Um, you can look at all the relationships between them. But then suddenly they go, and oh, and you know what? I want to know about my mother's health. I was like, well, hello, there's the bear <laughs> in the tree, right? So um, I love that I've got it out there. We can go wherever. And a lot of times I can go, you know, this is really sticking out to me. I'm going to have to ask you about, you know, your boss and your work situation because it's really standing out. And they go, oh, yeah, I didn't want to talk about that because such and such and such. It's like, nope, it's right there. I, I can't ignore it. Yeah, and you know they're phenomenal cards because you know they really are right in your face. They mm-hmm. are so adaptive to the type of questions you can ask. You know, yeah. and it boils down. You know, and I always mention this to people. It's just like intent alone is not really going to give you an answer. You really have to formulate a well thought out question. You know, whether you're going to do a grand tableau, a box of nine, three cards, five cards, you have to ask, you know, what's actually going on in this person's life for whatever area you're looking for. Now, with a grand tableau, I would assume it's going to be a little bit of a different question since you're looking for an overall picture, you know, for a certain time frame. You've got the patterns, you've got the relationships. But you can kind of go all these different areas. Um, one of the things I do for my, my day job as well as as a service is I do I do coaching, right? So I'm trained as a life coach or an executive coach. Um, so you're talking about the right question. You know, people will sometimes come with a question, and it just doesn't feel right. You know, I, the cards are telling you there's something else going on here or just your intuition. And so I think being able to have the, I'm going to say it's kind of the bravery to say, is this really what you you want to talk about? A lot of times that opens up a whole lot of stuff that you didn't expect. And I love those moments. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people won't actually tell you the real reason why they're coming to you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, and, and some of it I actually think is, you know, Two different reasons. One, they might be embarrassed about the actual real reason why they're coming. And two, they want to know if you're going to pick it up anyway. Yeah. You know, and if you can pick it up anyway, all their guards are dropped. You know, they'll start to open right up. Mm -hmm. You've automatically got that connection. You know, I totally agree. And with Lenormand, because you mentioned it, and I always like to bring it up. You know, with any form of divination, you know, especially Lenormand's, it's a language you have to learn, you know, yeah. forming a story or a sentence structure, you know, your nouns, your adjectives, your verbs, uh-huh. your pronouns, as you're laying those cards telling the story, you know, it's important to actually create the sentence structure as the cards are laid out. Yes, it sure is. Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, as humans, we love storytelling, right? Um, we love how um, 
stories open up and progress. It's how we, we make sense of the world. So I think that's the, the, the reason I connect so well to Lenormand is it's telling me a story, you know? I'm not interpreting a picture or colors or uh, an archetype or anything like that. I'm gonna tell them a story. Here you are, and here's what's gonna happen along this path. Here are the things to look out for. I love that sort of um, sense of helping them shape the story about their life. Right, and it is a story about their life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, Lenormans can be very predictive. They can yes. be very blunt, you know, <laughs> yes. as, you know, depending on the question, you know. And, you know, as new readers, and I'm sure you'll agree, when you're doing a, an actual reading and you're asking a question, don't read past the question you ask. You know, it's the context. If you're asking, will I get a job? and you're laying down three cards, mm-hmm. you know, you ask specifically yes or no. Stick to yep. your yes or no. Stick to positive, negative. If you're asking for detail, what's going on in this person's life, then mm-hmm. get more involved in the cards and the story that they're actually saying. You know, I've run into a number of people in groups, and, you know, I always try to educate and help people and lift people up. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll ask a yes or no question, and then their answers have nothing to do with yes or no. They're re- just reading the actual cards as if they asked a detailed question. Right, right. And that's about formulating that, that good question up front. Right. And sometimes if people, they may come to you with, Am I, is this going to happen? Uh, yes or no. They kind of have a yes or no uh, question. I will sometimes say, do you want to know more about what's going to go on? Right? So, because inevitably you say, yeah, you'll get the job, or no, you won't get the job, then they have a follow-up question. Right. Well, when will I get a job? It's like, okay, well, that's not what you asked. Right. <laughs> so let's start in in a, in a better better way to start with. You know, I always what? tell people that as a diviner, as somebody's reader that they're coming to, you have the right to change and modify whatever question they present to you to provide mm-hmm. them with the most amount of information for their question. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, so you were saying. Yeah, so one thing you were talking about uh, new readers. It kind of, I don't know where my head went with advice to new readers, right? So um, keeping the meaning of the cards really tight, I find to be the most important thing. You can add layers to it later on, but. Um, making the card be a single thing, right? So, um, you know, the clover is luck, fortune, right? Yes. It's not a vegetarian diet. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) later when you're looking at other cards, but, you know, it's easier. The sentences make more sense, and your prediction will become more and more accurate if you keep a very tight definition on your cards, especially to start with. Right. And then you build the confidence. And experience starts to give you a little more richness to say, you know, the bear is my boss, but sometimes it's my mom, right? So um, you start to do that. It, man, it's the heavy set person, you know. It's the guy with the big furry beard. Uh, you know, those kinds of things start to layer on afterwards. But starting out, I always advise my students, you know, keep a really um, tight definition of what you what the cards are that way they can talk to you more clearly 
Right. I tell people, you know, learn one or two key words about each card. Don't try to memorize everything in a book. Don't try to memorize Uh every possible meaning because you will get yourself confused. Oh, totally. When you tell yourself and you tell your cards, look, you know, here's the sun. The sun for me is happiness. It's success. Uh Leave it at happiness. Leave it at success. As you progress, you know, it'll turn into different things. It'll morph into, you know, actually seeing the sunrise on a situation or actually seeing the warmth that the sun brings, you know, or lighting your way, you know. But start off small. Start off with the one or two key words and build yourself creating the sentences around those one or two words. And the beauty of Lenormand, again, is that it, it's sentences in that each each combination, because you always read them in pairs at least, Right. each combination gives you additional meaning, right? So you kind of have this multiplier effect. So, yes, sun is success, but if it was a ship and then the sun, right, it could be um, successful trip, right? I'm going on uh, vacation. It could be a vacation to someplace, you know, warm Caribbean, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, you get all that, that richness to it. Uh, by using the combination, what's in between the cards and the relationship of the cards, and not just reading the card itself. Yeah. Right. And and I agree 100%. I mean, it's one of those things with Lenormand's I love is, you know, well, I'm a hypnotist as well. You know, I've also studied oh, yes, uh, NLP, well. you know, so... I'm always looking at linguistics, language. I'm always looking yeah. at how words pair together to cause reaction, to change and modify. You know, so uh-huh. for me, I bring all the linguistics and the NLP and the hypnosis knowledge that I know into my cards when I'm trying to formulate my answers. Yeah, just that richness of language and that, that awareness that we build our reality through words you know it's what's unique about humans we can we can speak we have language um and and our world is structured this you know as i'm looking around here i'm looking at you know here is a willow tree here's a shumac tree um you know because now i have words that that help modify and make the experience of what i'm looking at or experiencing or the relationships be much richer I totally agree. That's great. You know, and Charles Porterfield, who happens to be in our chat room, also says that that's yes. also very true and true of reading playing cards as well. Oh, yes. You know, I have to learn how to read playing cards. I haven't done that yet. That's on my he, That's on my book, <laughs> my back burner. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to learn how to do it, Professor Porterfield has got the best method around. So you, you will not be sent wrong if you're, you're following his method at all. I will definitely be looking into that. Now, you're yeah. also into bone reading, too. Yeah, I do a bit of bone reading. Um, so it's, again, it's, it's kind of that story, but it's not in a linear pattern. I think I really got into more of the bones because um, I had a set of charms. They were little... Um, you know, like bracelet charms. Carrie Paris um, has a set. And you cast them, I ca- would cast them onto my Lenormand cards. And then the interaction of both the sort of 
gridded linear system with the cards and this sort of free form of the charms laying on top of it, how they interacted, how they clustered together, how they started to speak to each other, the cards, the grid, the, the um, open system, really got me more intrigued in Bones. And of course, as a root worker, um, you know, reading Bones, getting into the, um, the life force that comes with Bones was really important to me. And, and I love reading Bones. I, I assume you're a Bone reader as well. Oh yes, um, yeah, uh, only crazy. only this year, you know. Only this year, yeah. I bought my first bone set from uh, Robert Lucas of Ancestor Healing yes. um, uh-huh. several years ago when I co-hosted the old show on divination, uh-huh. and then you know life took hold and you know I disappeared and had life taking you know everything in life was just pushing me all over so it's just like okay take a time out. And when I came back to everything this year, they just kept screaming at me. It was no longer cards. It was no longer Lenormans or tea cards or even my antique cards that I read for like 15, 20 years. Uh You know, I look at it and be like, no, they don't really want to speak. They want me to learn more. They want me to do something different. They Mm -hmm. want me to elevate and evolve and i went from about 20 pieces in november to i think i have about 134 right now you went all in, my friend. <laughs> yes well i'm a scorpio you know yes. we're either all in or we're all out we don't have that, that so right. medium in between <laughs> you know that is so right yes and what i find fascinating about the bones is you know Aside from being individual for every single reader, mm-hmm. they are so fluid. You know, I took a course with, you know, uh, a one-on-one session with uh, Ambrosine Laguerre, you oh, know, yes. and one of my biggest issues was trying to find out how I read the bones, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm looking at, you know, Ancestor Healing set is phenomenal, but I wasn't ready for throwing myself into, you know, the mat, the colors, the medicines, you know, I had to start from the basics. I had to learn mm-hmm. one or two key meanings per each piece <laughs> and learn how to read, you know, yeah. on a base level on how to understand the bones. And I'm also very linear, so it also took a little bit of getting out of my own head. Right, right. You know, to start seeing the fluidness. And now I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Once you go, you go deep, right? It, and yeah, and it's phenomenal. Bones. Yeah, so uh, I think a lot of people do start in with a, a starter set that they get from, you know, someone or a store or whatever. But then the thing I love about it is you start to edit it, right? And things pop up and you go, oh, yeah, I need that little thing. Or I keep seeing this. Or where did this come from, right? And you put it in the set and it starts to talk. And it starts to talk to the other pieces. And they start to form a relationship. Um, and so I really I love the, the personal relationship with the pieces that, that evolves over time. And then sometimes they stop talking to you, right? You're like, 
this piece just isn't working. I thought it was going to be about this, but it's not. I'm going to set it aside. Maybe it'll come back someday. But you have that constant sort of dialogue, not just with reading them, but with the pieces themselves. And unlike, you know, a deck of cards, which is a set imagery, you can decide what imagery you want, right? Yep. And the fact that for me, they communicate very strongly with my ancestors, you oh, know, yes. and they sit on my boveda, my ancestral altar every day. You know, I call upon them when I get ready to read. I call upon my ancestors uh-huh. before every reading and pieces have so many multiple different meanings. You know, yeah. I do have pieces that just have like one thing. You know, they just mean mm-hmm. one. Like, I have a, a bicycle charm in mine. Mm-hmm. And the only message that has really has to do with you have to put in a lot of footwork. There's still a lot oh, to go. You're not, you know, you're not there yet. Keep pedaling. Keep moving your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that's the only message it has other than if it's reversed you're not doing anything. You're not moving at all. You're, (laughs) you're basically stuck, you know? And I love the fluidity of the bones because I can throw them and look for my key pieces and be like, wow, look, there it all is. Yeah. So, so say more about that. Cause I, you know, I always start with like, I have a little skull, right. And I look at the way that it's looking, right. Is this your future? Or is this your past? What's on your head? What's kind of underneath you that they're seeing that you're acting on? Is that kind of how you enter into your your bone set or a different? Um, I have actually a couple of skulls. I have one that is specifically for a person's headspace. You know, what they're thinking. You know, not where they're looking so much as, but just the fact that this is what's on their mind. Mm-hmm. I have another one that is for where am I looking? You know, what are my thoughts moving towards whatever it's looking at? But it's a little bit different meaning than the other bone, you know, yeah, than the other skull. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it, it all depends on the pieces, what's near, what's on it, what's around it. You mm-hmm. know, I I even have a glass spectacle in my Ooh. set. And... Mm-hmm. For me, that has to do with, you know, something that you need to really take a close look at, you know. So yeah. if it's on top of pieces, you have to take a close look at. If it's underneath the pieces, you're already really looking at it. It's already there in your eyes, your vision. Yeah. Wow. It's great to hear how other people read things. And, you know, you're talking about the bicycle piece. Mm-hmm. I probably would have never thought about that being <laughs> hard, like taking steps, right? could have been transportation or a slow transportation or slow movement towards something. That's what I love about talking with other bone readers is how they interpret everything. So I I work with Brother RJ at Skull Bone Emporium, and he's a big-time bone reader. Um, We both started with a very similar set, and in fact, when we get a piece, sometimes we'll get two and say, hey, you want this piece? But over time... We sort of kept evolving our sets in very different ways. So now if I, I look at his set and he's thrown something, I'm looking at it, oh, well, that's so-and-so. And he's like, nope, that's not what it means to me. It's like, okay, well, then that's valid too. <laughs> um, but that's what I love. It's about community 
and sharing ideas, sharing thoughts. And of course, now that we have things like this, um, podcast and, and blogs and all, we can share an even broader extent to people who may not be close by. And it's a phenomenal thing. I mean, I love the internet, or some people call it the interweb, um, <laughs> podcasts. I mean, there's so much so much available knowledge that people are willing to share and give. Like, I bought an actual, you know, inexpensive hearing aid for my piece. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, specifically for, hey, you need to really listen to this, whatever the ear part, you know, that goes into your wow. ear canal points yeah, at. Yeah. You know, if it's facing the other way from a major set or a major piece, you know, you're not listening to what's going on over here. Uh-huh. It, you know, wow, and I had people great. and I had people actually sit there and say, wow, you really actually did get a hearing aid. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, being a Scorpio, and this is what I love about Bones, you know, uh-huh. being a Scorpio, everything for me is, you know, black and white. Everything for me has specific types of meaning. So sometimes my pieces are very literal in their message as well as their appearance. Yeah. Yeah. I got a bunch of, um, when I was in New Mexico recently, I bought a, a whole bunch of uh, milagros, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them are kind of quirky. Like I have a little turkey. Um, I have a little ear. I have a, a little breast. Um, and those all have, you know, meanings um, in, in the set. And they're very kind of literal, right? So the breast is nurturing. Um the turkey is Thanksgiving and abundance, right? So there's a huge abundance uh, and thanks, thankfulness for the abundance, right? So it's really interesting how people view those things. Somebody might see a turkey and go, yeah, that was a real turkey. It was a real bomb. Um, all kind of in personal interpretation. That's what I love about that. Yeah, and it's one of the most fluid things. I mean, like I said, I can't stop. You know, I think I have an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good addiction. I don't know, 130 pieces, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, but it's not done yet. Oh, of course not. Of course, <laughs> you are a Scorpio, I can tell. You know, like I just bought um, a Wolverine bone and an armadillo bone. Um, mm-hmm. I have a badger claw. And when I first got those three pieces, the automatic message that came to me if those three pieces fall together is like being backed into a corner and fighting and clawing your way out and not letting anything at all stop you and you know initially I was just like oh you know what I don't have a wolverine bone you know and I kind of like that Uh and when they all got to the house I'm sitting there looking at them all together I was just like yep backed up into a corner and I'm just fighting and clawing my way out. Yep. Pulling that shell up, scratching and clawing. I can totally feel that. You know, and that's the amazing thing with bones is every single piece, you know, speaks differently, you know, from one reading to the next. Uh Uh-huh. And I've also had progression from one reading to the next, you know, and I kind of, you know, I'm still skeptical of a lot of things because, you know, I'm the Scorpio. Yes, yes. So, you know, I do use Michelle Jackson's uh, dice method, you know, one uh-huh. through six, you know, as the different stages, you know, something new or quarrels or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. 
So I did a reading for a friend of mine, and he was on a number five, and it was definitely conflicts and everything going on in his love life. So I saw him again three months later, and I cast the bones again, and it was on a number six. <laughs> Hmm. And I sat there and I'm looking going, wow. Now, the actual odds of rolling a dice and going from five to six is very small. Uh It's even smaller if you're doing it three months apart. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But yet it fit in everything having to do with the reading and showing the progression from the one stage to the next. Yeah. and they yeah, still blow my mind. That's the beautiful thing. I really love working with clients over a long period of time, and especially working in multiple modalities. So um, I've, I've had clients now that I've read Lenormand for, and I've done different types of astrological readings for them. I've even done past life regressions with them. That's a whole other realm of things. Um, so entering to different modalities and you can kind of see okay well through this lens i see this aspect of your life um but man this didn't say anything about your past life and here's all this richness we can scoop up from that uh to inform where you're going and what you're doing and of course ancestor work and root work and you know we've got a lot of tools these days at our um at our fingertips um that gives a rich picture of of a person that's why i really love and a value the clients, the students that I have um, that I see over time. Um, yeah. I did a, I did a class on transformational magic um, back beginning of this year. And it was really, of course, that was the intent. It was how do we use magic? How do we use coaching techniques? How do we use root work and so on to, to make substantial change in our life? And just to see over that six-week period the change that was made. And then now to see them again uh, and say, wow, remember back when you wanted to have this change in your life? And then look at where you are now. It's really, I think one of the most rewarding things about doing um, spiritual work with people is seeing them achieve what they really want out of life. Yes. Getting past obstacles, opening roads for themselves, um, and really finding not just happiness but satisfaction I think is is what I would want I enjoy also seeing their elevation their change their progression you know it's I guess if it wasn't for seeing all of that you know throughout all the years that I've been working I probably wouldn't have been working (laughs) because for me it's all about seeing change you know yeah, I could just be a reader and say, you know, hey, this is going to happen. But to see somebody and say, look, here's what's going on and here's what spiritually or here's what spirit is saying you should work on to get from point A to mm-hmm. point B. And then seeing them actually take charge and actually doing it and watching yeah. their life blossom and change. I mean, that's what keeps me going. Yeah, yeah. So um, my friend Loretta here in Denver, Loretta Ledesma, who is um, um, kind of the originator of the um, the Mahalo Gala, not kind of, she was. It was her, her, little, her little baby. And it's really developed into 
um, her hashtag, which everybody knows, is Conjurer's Community, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about supporting each other. It's about having relationships. It's about bringing people in who have a need, spiritual need, or a need in their life, and helping them move and progress through that. Um, and I just love that sentiment that Conjurer's Community. And I do as well, and I'm glad you brought that up, because that also brings us to the topic of the Conjure Gala, or the it's the Mile High Conjure Gala, correct? It's the Mile High, because now we have a, we have a couple. There, we just had the Big Apple uh, Gala um, this uh, early this year, and coming in September, end of September, we will have the Mile High Gala. This will be the second year. Uh, Loretta put this together last year. It is at the ever-wonderful Lumber Baron Inn, probably the most spiritually rich place um, you'll ever find. Even people who, you know, maybe they're not that sensitive, you come in there and you know there is something going on here that's not ordinary. It's beautiful. The interior, uh, the graciousness of Elaine and Joel, the proprietors, um, you just really feel close and connected and then having all of these workers, these mediums, uh, spiritually connected people come in, it was like, last year was really like Grand Central Station for spirit. <laughs> they knew the people were there, right? And there was like, you know, open telephone booths to connect and to talk to people. And it became really intense. So this year, um, same repeat as last year, um, workshops, vendors for all kinds of spiritual goods, uh, an open vendor uh, space. Um, I think we might have a dinner, and um, I know there are people probably going, oh, yeah, I remember the, uh, the little dance party afterward, too, where <laughs> Professor Ames uh, had a few... Uh, I heard well, nothing. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep moving on past that. But it was a good time had by all. I'll just say that. <laughs> now, this is in September, right? The 28th and the, to the, the, I'm sorry, the 29th through the 30th. That is correct. That is correct. I also hear that there is now a payment plan that people can take part of so they don't have to pay it all in one chunk. Conjure on layaway. Let me tell you, it's the best thing. Um, yeah, so check out either Instagram, uh, Mile High Conjure Gala, the website, uh, Facebook. We have all kinds of outlets. Uh, Loretta's great with this promotional stuff, and she's really made it as accessible as possible to people. So you can do it in payments. Um, you can, um, you know, early bird specials, um, different sort of access if you work the whole weekend, if you just want the day pass. Really a lot of opportunities for people to come in and engage in whatever level or ability or time frame that they have available. Um, so really looking forward to having a lot more people get involved in a lot more different ways this year. And there's a lot of good presenters. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. what is Loretta's last name? Ledesma, L-E-D-E-S-M-A. Okay. So I, I had a hard time pronouncing that. That's why I was asking. Because I know yeah, she's I'm presenting. Right. <laughs> um, Candelo Cambisa. the whole thing. Candelo is there. Uh, Ambrosine, you mentioned. Yeah. El Porterfield, you've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, Elaine Bryant, Beverly Smith, yeah, Professor Ames. It. He's going to be teaching a course on foot track magic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle yeah, Jackson. Magic. Michelle Jackson, talking about bones. One of the best, right? 
you know, uh, Michael Cardenas, Hoodoo yeah, Sen Moise, and Miss Ada. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Miss Aida's here for the first year. Uh, she is always fun and entertaining. Um, you know, we got our friend Hoodoo from, uh, from, from New Orleans. Uh, always love our New Orleans friends coming up there. Beverly's great. Everybody's just really wonderful. I think it'll be a really great time for people. I do as well. Now, tell us about the foot track magic. Yeah, sure. So, um, one of the, I wouldn't say it's unique to, but it's very heavily emphasized in, uh, in hoodoo is the, the, the importance of the feet as a transmission for, um, being crossed up. So you need to be careful where you step, what you step on or over or through, uh, because there's a sense that you can absorb um, poison or a curse or a crossing up through your feet. Uh, it's also a way to control people. So um, putting their name in your shoe as you step on it, right, to have <laughs> dominance over it. I, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't here's, say much. <laughs> there's a really, really rich history in hoodoo about the feet and the importance of feet, soles of feet, um, and also as a personal concern. So as someone um, you know, would walk down a dusty path, you know, you've got their foot track. You scoop that up, and it's about having that, then that connection to them um, through where they stepped, where, they, where their foot landed, right? So you're capturing some essence of them. And then you can use that for positive or negative intent, right? If it's an enemy, you're going to scoop up their foot tracks and you're going to do a little work on them, right? Right. If it's, a, if it's someone that you're interested in a little love action with, scoop that foot track up. Mix it with the right herbs. Um, you know, put that under your, your mattress. Maybe they can walk into you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I used to, when I was doing a lot of spiritual work in the Botanica, I would have yes. people come in for love work, you know, and they wanted to solidify things and make their relationships stronger to keep the husband at home. And uh -huh. one of the things I always requested is that they bring me the soles from inside shoes that the person would wear. Yeah. You know, not yeah. just for the foot, but because it also had the sweat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that inner sole in a shoe is rich. Not only, like you said, not only is it the foot, you know, the impression of their feet pressing into that, and the weight of their bodies in that, but their smelly, sweaty feet, that's some good stuff. That's some, oh, yeah. That's a good connection right there. Not that I like the smell, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of the... All the work with gladness, right? <laughs> well, no, it never, it never is. But, yeah. you know, it's all, it's one of these things that, you know, people don't often think about you know and these are things and traditions that have been used for years and years and you know if you're interested you know mile how yeah mile high conjure gala say that 10 times fast right. <laughs> which you can also find on what is it the conjure gala.com without the word the so just conjure gala.com uh-huh now, you also have a, you know, a website, the Skullbone Emporium, but you also have school for Skullbone yeah, so, Emporium. So I kind of got two things going. I, 
you know, I have to live up to my professorial name here. Um, I have always had a passion for teaching. That's what I do for my day job. I, I'm a trainer, a uh, corporate trainer. Um, but I had a little stint as a, as a college professor for a while. And it's always been my nature to want to teach and share with people. So we had the SkullboneEmporium.com, uh, which listed services, um, sold products, condition oils that we make, and so on. And then um, I decided to do this uh, six-week class on transformational magic, um, which again hosted at the wonderful Lumber Baron Inn. We set up in a little tour room, just had a really great time with that. And they said, you know, we can't wait till the next one. Why don't you do a whole year of this stuff? I'm like, you know what? Gosh darn it, I'm going to do it. So um, got, you know, this great software that will manage all of the, uh, the classes and enrollment and all that and created school.skullboneemporium.com. HTTP colon slash slash school dot com, and I've set up a year long um, course curriculum called Gear in Folk Magic. So I've stretched a little bit beyond just um, hoodoo root work, um, but also into Appalachian magic. Sometimes they call it Granny Magic, Ozark, <laughs> dipping up into powwow, the Pennsylvania Dutch. And maybe even a little um, Corundorismo that's come in through the South. Because I'm really fascinated with folk magic. Right. And um, what are the similarities? What are the differences between them? Um, what practices are similar? What's the variation that they have? Um, and I love it because it's about people solving the problems of their life. You know? Um, all of those are about healing. Um, you know, when you're up in the back hollers in the Smoky Mountains, you went and you found the granny woman who knew how to put together the herbs or make the poultice um, or had the charm that helped you get the boyfriend or the husband or whatever it was that you wanted. And there wasn't really a difference between healing, medicinally, and magic. Magic and, and medicine were the same thing. Right. I think that's true for almost all of them. Um, and then how do they call in spirit to provide healing, uh, whether it's ancestors or God the Father or uh, saints or, or whatever it is, how do they pull in spirit to help in this healing process to affect change in people's lives? So that's kind of the core of what we're going to look at over the year. Uh, Sign-ups are still available if people want to, to join in. Um, it's live class at the Lumber Baron Inn, uh, but we're also video broadcasting it. Every Ooh. Tuesday, yeah, I know, right? Technology. So they can take so they can take class from the comfort of their own home, live, live or recorded. So um, it is it is broadcast and recorded um, every Tuesday from seven to nine thirty Mountain Time. Now that starts to get a little late uh, on the East Coast. It may be a little bit early on the West Coast. Uh, or anywhere in the world, quite frankly. But you can log in. You can watch it live as it's happening. Uh, we always have a good time. And uh, then if you can't make it, uh, it's recorded, and you can log in later and, uh, and catch up with everything that went on. 
Very nice. So I want to yeah. just take a moment to thank Professor Charles Porterfield, who is in our chat room, as well as R.K. Gomez. You know, I'm always uh-huh. wondering if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, he'll probably shoot me later, but um, <laughs> I suck when it comes to names. I also want to make mention again, you know, uh, Kendalo, our friend, you know, has moved cross country to Texas. Yes. Um, yes. But... It's 12 o'clock somewhere. It has been coming back on Spreaker.com with your host, Candelo Cambisa of Candelo's Corner. So, you know, check him out on Spreaker.com. You know, you can also find any one of our wonderful guests, as well as our shows and our lineups, on the Divination Tables website, which is the DivinationTable.com. So you'll see all the lineup for upcoming guests. Contact a reader, so you'll find all the readers that have been on our show. You won't find anybody other than those that have been on our show. So it's exclusive just to this particular show. You know, the Mile High Conjure Gala, again, it's conjuregala.com, September 29th through the 30th. You know, they do offer payment plans. It's going to be a phenomenal and a wonderful time. And my friend Erica Robinson is also co-hosting a podcast now, which is also a uh, show on different forms of uh, spirituality and different metaphysical topics. Uh, It's called Third Eye Unplugged. You know, you can find out about them on thirdeye.com. Yeah. ThirdEyeUnplugged.com, and that's the number three, R-D. So ThirdEyeUnplugged.com. So that's going to be a weekly podcast that they just launched. So how do our readers get a hold of you? You know, should they want to schedule a reading, whether it's the astrology, the Lenormans, the, you know, the bones, or any of your services? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to uh, the website, SkullboneEmporium.com, or simply email me directly at AimsHall66 at gmail.com. That might be an easier, faster way. Um, So I have the the website, and I think even from the front page or the contact page, should be able to get you there uh, if people aren't jotting this down. Uh, Or directly my email, AimsHall, H-A-L-L, A-M-E-S-H-A-L-L, 66, at gmail.com. At gmail.com. I'm just popping that yep. up into the chat room as well because that oh, will well, be you. available um, on the Spreaker website because you can see a copy of all of the comments that are made throughout from anybody that has been in the chat room. Um, Terrific. You know, so is there anything that you would suggest for new readers or you know, that are just getting into divination, you know, any tips to help them develop and become better at reading or divining? Yeah, I think the, <laughs> the one thing that I, I try to emphasize with, with my students has always been um, have a really good methodology, right? Be very clear in your process so it's repeatable every single time. Um, some people may take it a little extreme that, you know, they're doing all this, you know, extra cleansing and, you know, they've got to knock three times or I don't know what it is. But if, if you feel unsure, then you've got the methodology to fall back on, right? So with Lenormand, it's, you know, always have your one or two keywords. Uh, and if you get stuck, go back to the keyword 
Um, you know, it's followed by a, a, another card that's describing it, and you're just looking at two cards at a time. That's all you have to do, little bite-sized pieces, and eventually it will form a story. So I find that to be the the best way to kind of wrap your head around a divination system. Um, and if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Uh, we, we both had that shared experience with, with tarot. It just yeah. did not stick. Um, so try a different method. If cards aren't your thing, um, maybe it's palm reading. Maybe it's astrology. Maybe it's bone reading. Um, there are so many ways to connect to to spirit and to divination. Um, don't give up if you get a little stuck the first time. Something's going to resonate with you, and you'll become passionate about it, and you will collect hundreds of bones, <laughs> <laughs> dozens of uh, dozens of reproduction cards. That's my that's my addiction is uh, you know all these different card sets or playing cards. Um, whatever your passion is, everyone is different. Um, but do find do do find something that resonates with you. That way, your excitement about it happens. Read for friends; uh, they're always safe. Um, you know, and especially if you do it for free or for exchange for a beer. Um, <laughs> that gets you started, and you know, there's less pressure. And then then keep moving on, developing your skills. Yeah, and you know, it is always take one thing and one step at a time. You know. Yes. I go all in, you know, that's just how I am. That's how I've always been. So like with the bones, more for me is better than less for me. Right, right. But don't be like me. You know, I read a particular way in every divination system that I do, but that's just how I do it. You know, learn, but it always starts with the same thing. Learn my fundamentals, learn my basic Mm -hmm. meanings you know, and develop from there, you know, and, you know, it's all symbolic. Well, with the exception of astrology, you know, most of it has to do with symbolic divination, you know, so when you have a firm understanding of symbols, symbol meanings, what they mean to you, you know, as you develop, no matter what system, certain cards take on different meanings, you know, regardless of what tradition, because it connects directly with you and your spirits. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would say the other resource is, you know, we're living in a wonderful time where you have all kinds of resources. I mean, this podcast is wonderful because you're connecting people to other teachers, mentors, authors, and writers. Um, now they have a resource to go, hey, I was really intrigued when um, Ambrosine said this about her piece that she had. I'm going to go to her website now. I'm going to go and see if I can, you know, take some workshops from her. Um, I'm going to check out Professor Porterfield's book. That sounds really interesting. I didn't know that you could read the future with playing cards. And you can do a lot more, by the way. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so I love that you're providing the service, that you're connecting people to new ideas, new technologies, new methodologies for reading. Uh, it really is a great service. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing here as well. Well, thank you, too, because, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this without my wonderful guests or my audience, you know, and I do have a love for all things in divination, you know, from different cultures, different traditions, religions. It makes no bit of difference to me. You know, I don't look at any form of divination from 
you know, um, what's the word? I can't even think of the word, you know, from any type of a prejudice standpoint. Yeah. For me, it's just like, you know, this is all spirit connection. This is all, you know, connecting with the divine, connecting with getting answers, your higher self Mm -hmm. and every single divinatory system. Even if you're just reading pasta, which I've done, you know, (laughs) it's all how you connect, you know, like in hypnosis. It's all bringing yourself to that state of mind, you know, where you can access that particular type of information that may not be there in your conscious mind because our day-to-day things get in the way of being able to see all the things that are underlying. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yes, I agree. You know, and it's just beautiful. I mean, I've loved having you on here. You know, you're an incredible person, you know. I support my, you know, and you know, I support my community and my community happens to be very vast, you know, Uh it encompasses anybody and everybody who does divination, you know, at some point I'll have them all on this show, but I feel that it's important, you know, that people know that, look, you know, it's not all just cards. It's not all just, you know, tarot or Lenormans. There's Mm -hmm. scrying and water and fire and crystal balls and automatic writing. I mean, there's so many different ways Mm -hmm. that people can lift and elevate their own spirituality and their own intuitive processes. You know, that I like to give people as many doorways as I can because because we don't always click or connect with every single person you know mm-hmm. I've met great readers that are incredible teachers but for me I just don't click so right. I go on to somebody that I click with you know and mm-hmm. I find that you will learn the best when you have a connection and a relationship with either your reader or your teacher, because then you are invested. And that for me is what it's all about. It's investing your spirituality in people that you can learn from and that you have some things in common on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And that's a great point. You talk about investing, right? Yes. So, so often we, we don't think about spirituality the spiritual side of our lives is something worth investing much into, right? Yeah, we'll go buy some gemstones or, you know, this, that, or the other. But truly investing in that aspect of your life opens up the realm of so much richness in your life. Um, Not just knowing or predicting the future, but really understanding yourself, understanding other people, uh, creating relationships, creating a a life that's really um, rich and satisfying. I think that is that's more really the essence of what I like to get to as well. Yeah. I mean, it, people should look at it the same way they would as going to college, you know, training for a job, you know, furthering your personal life itself. You have the same responsibility, you know, for your spiritual life, your well-being, your happiness, you know, to evolve and grow as well as all the other areas in your life. You know, so I always think of it as an investment. You know, I don't balk at the prices that somebody has for a class because for me it's an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told people before that I've had readings with, yeah, you need to charge more money. 
<laughs> and I've paid them more than what their class was listed as. Yeah. Because for me, it's just like, look, you know, this is valuable information. Yeah, and you never know what piece of that, you know, as a teacher, that's one of the things that, that always, I guess, intrigues me about the, the teaching process. Not only that I learn so much as I'm teaching and, and learn from my students, but what they come away with, well, that little piece that you said, that little thing that you think is, oh, well, everybody knows this, but I'm just going to say it, really hits home with them because of the way you say it. Yes. Um, or the connections that you make around it. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things about um, having access to, to great teachers, to workshops, to the gala, to uh, podcast. All this is that just something, something might really resonate with you and, and take you a whole different way. And, and that's the beauty of, you know, being able to present all these wonderful guests, you yeah. know, is if you walk away from every show with just one little thing that helps you improve your life, your divination. Mm -hmm. That's all I ask for, you know, is to see you elevate and change and become better, you know, spiritually as well as, you know, divinatory, you know, mm -hmm. lifting everything up. Although professor Charles Porterfield in the group just sat there and says, reading owl balls. Yes. <laughs> I have never done that. I'm sure there is a particular word for that. <laughs> there has to be, I'm sure. Something fancy. Um, we are, uh, Brother RJ and I keep talking about, we're going to have to write a book on reading beer foam. Uh, not only is the, the process legitimate, but the process to get to the beer foam is always a lot of fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could be very good at that. Well, there you go. You know, I'm Irish. <laughs> I have that in my blood. <laughs> You'll be a natural at it, then, right? Well, as we're wrapping up, I want to thank our wonderful guests and our wonderful audience for joining us for another wonderful edition of the Divination Table Radio Show. You know, without you guys, I would not be here you know, providing you with all this beautiful information. Um, Professor Ames, would you like to say our final goodbyes to our wonderful audience? I absolutely would. So I want to thank you first, Michael. Um, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for everybody who signed in, for people who are going to log in later. And uh, the greatest blessings and happiness and love and satisfaction in everyone's life. And I thank you. Have yourself a beautiful day. And we will see you again next week on the divination table.